I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Jonah, the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of what we call the minor prophets, not minor because uh, it's lit... It's of less importance. It's called minor because he wrote so little. I will tell you that I love Jonah because the book is packed full of so many truths. Turn to Jonah chapter 2. In just a second, we're going to read the entirety of chapter 2. Yesterday at lunch, uh, as we do when the men, when I go to lunch with the men, uh, one of the men looked at me and said, uh, Brother Jerry, we have good this, we have good that. Why is it that we're not reaching more people, fulfilling our mission and what have you? We had a, had a really good discussion and, and talked about that. But I want to say to you that I believe this topic tonight that we find in Chapter 2 of Jonah, I believe it to be more pertinent to the problems going on in Christendom in America today than so many other things. Now, if you take Jonah, uh, it outlines pretty easily. And I'm just going to give this to you quickly so we can get to our subject. You know, Jonah opens with a call. Now, watch this. The call came to Jonah from God to get up and go to Nineveh and cry against it, that city, and and the call was received by Jonah. Now, if you're, if you're thinking the way I preach and the way I see things, the call was received by Jonah to go. And then the call was rejected by Jonah because in his first steps after God gave him a call, he went the wrong way. And I wonder how, how often that happens. Here's what I'll tell you. When somebody... When somebody receives a call from God, you can tell in their first three steps if they're going to follow him or not. The call received, the call rejected, and the third thing, the call run from. He got down in the boat, and Nineveh was this way, and he headed that way. He was running from his call. And then, that's the first part of that chapter, and then you get to the consequences. The call received. Rejected, run from. Oh, by the way, I'll just tell you this. You can jump over in chapter 3. You get the call repeated. God gave. God didn't change his call once he got Jonah's attention. He sent him to do what he told him to do the first time. Reminds me of my dad. He'd give me an assignment. I wouldn't do it. He'd spank me. Yes, it wasn't a beating. It was a spanking. And then he'd tell me to go do what he told me to do to start with. Are you all familiar with that concept? But you get to chapter 1, the call, and then you move to the consequence. What are the, what are the consequences? First of all, he got, in the, he got in the boat difficulties in the form of a storm. And somebody else didn't send the difficulties. God sent the difficulties. And the difficulties grew to the point that there was a discovery that Jonah was the reason for the difficulties. Because, you see, it wasn't just Jonah who was impacted by these difficulties. When God sends judgment on us for our disobedience, many times the people who surround us get caught up in that judgment. And then, uh, I like this one, the dungeon. That's a consequence. Finally, God had to get... Jonah so far down that the only way he could look was up in that dungeon of that of the belly of the fish. Now here's what I'm going to tell you: when Jonah, 
decided he was going to run from God, he was eaten up with this thing called pride. I fear that's what goes on in the church today. We don't really need God. We don't really need to listen to God because we're going to do things like we want instead of like he says. And God had to literally break Jonah. And I believe there's the concept, brokenness. I don't believe that we can ever become all we need to be until we become broken before God. And I believe that if, if, if we won't listen to his urgings, that he's got his hand on the thermostat and he can turn up the heat. Now we see Jonah in the, bottom, in the belly of the fish. The pride now gone. We pick up in verse 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the sea, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to my neck. What kind of fish was this? The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. He thought he was dead. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed to the Lord. Salvation is from the Lord. Now before we pray... And begin our journey through this topic. Can you see how prideful Jonah, going to do his own thing, was brought to his knees and broken. And everything along the way broke his spirit to the point he said, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Let's pray. Father, I pray for our next few minutes. We're small, but we're here seeking you. I pray that if some of us in this room need to be broken, I pray that you will do it even now. We know how you feel about prideful people. I pray that right now that you will deal with us in the way that only you can. And that you will put us back on the right course so that we will complete our vow we made to you when you saved us. In your name, amen. In the year 2000, when I stepped away from ministry for a while because of my depression, when, other, when many people turned their back on me, I have just, she's just my favorite first cousin. She and I are the same age. She sent me a book by M.R. DeHaan of the Radio Bible Class. It was entitled, Broken Things. I'll just tell you how that book impacted me. 
If I had the financial resources, I would buy it and give a copy to everyone that I know because it gives such a view of this thing called brokenness. Points out our flawed concept about broken things. I mean, you think about it. In our world, when things break, we toss them away. We buy a toy for our kid, it breaks and goes in the trash. We buy a bicycle and it breaks, it goes in the trash. It, it, uh, um, we throw things away. Relationally these days, husband and wife gets married. And somebody don't like what's going on, so they break that tie that binds and try, toss their mate in the trash. In the church world, get new members guests they don't live up to what we think they should so instead of being about helping them heal and become what they should be we tend to throw them away and yet that's not God's way at all for you see what what we call trash God calls treasure and what we tend to reject God tends to remake and while we throw away broken things The Scripture is full of things that God had to break before He could use them. I could I could take 20 or 30 minutes because I remember from that book, lifting it from the pages of Scripture, the lamps at Jericho, they had to break the lamps. I mean, you, you, you read through the Bible, and here's what we know, is that God says people really can't be used until they're broken. James says it this way. He said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I'll just tell you, it's my thought that God has little use for prideful people or, or groups. And he will take his hand on that thermostat and he will turn up the heat like he did on Jonah until he breaks us down. So I want us just to look from the life of Jonah, and I, because I think chapter 2 serves as a warning and a help to us. Jonah was called to go. He chose not to go because those people were from the wrong side of the tracks. Those weren't the type of people that we want. I, I don't want to go. He, if I go and preach to those people and one of them actually gets saved, that means I'm actually going to spend eternity in heaven with them. Jonah felt like he could control his life on his own if God would just stay out of the way. He was an adult. He had been around a while. He could decide where he went, who he spoke to, and what he would say. Now, before we get on Jonah too bad, and before we get to this thing of brokenness and we see it in the Scripture, I want to just ask you something. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. What has God called you to do? Has God called you to do something... Ten minutes ago, ten years ago, thirty years ago, and you actually went the other way? You actually have spent your life running the other way? Was it to teach a Sunday school class? Was it to sing in a choir? Was it to speak to your neighbor? Was it to have a Bible study? Was it to call a friend? Was it to meet a stranger? What was it? Has God called you to do something and you've not done it? I'll just say this to all of us, starting right here. If God calls us to do something and we choose to go the other direction and we run away from God, if I am a child of God, I can fully expect God to bring me down a notch or two, as my mom would say. (sighs) 
I want you to think about this thing of being broken. Do you remember when the altars were filled with people who were just weeping and crying? They were filled with grandmothers who were broken for their grandkids. They were filled with moms and dads They were broken for their children. They were filled with children crying because of, of their parents. They were people at the altar crying and praying before God, ridding themselves of pride because they knew it wasn't somebody else. It was me standing in the need of prayer. I want you to see, first of all, if you're writing down the principle of brokenness. Brokenness is that process where God brings us to the end of ourselves and into total trust, complete love, and total submission to Him. You see, Jonah is somebody we like because... We liked his independence. Jonah thought he was independent, and yet God demands dependency. God doesn't want us to lean on our own understanding. He wants us to acknowledge him. Remember that scripture that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Listen, there is no way for us to acknowledge who and what he is without giving him his adoration, the adoration that's due. If we refuse to look up, God may well take us down. How many people do I know, have I visited that said, you know, preacher, I always thought I could do it by myself. And my body has finally come to the place where I realize if God don't step in, I'm done for. James wrote, count it pure joy. When you fall into various trials and testings, and do you know why? Because the trials, the testings, and the difficulties that God allows in your life are the very tools that he uses to make us be what he wants us to be. And the trials that come into our life are there to make us like Him. Remember, God's hand never leaves the thermostat. And He can turn it up and down. And, and, and this brokenness is that He... It's the process of making us become like My parents understand this, understood this process very well. You know, parents today are afraid we're going to hurt our kids if we punish them. And yet, my dad was more concerned that I obeyed. May I just say this to you? You might, This may not be your view of God. God is concerned about how we submit and how we obey. And the principle of brokenness is that he puts pressure on us to the point that we have to submit. Then I want you to see the place of brokenness. Seems to me as I read down those first part of chapter 1, God said, Jonah, I want you to go. And then God gave Jonah every opportunity to
to be obedient before God started turning up the heat. It, the scripture says in chapter 1, it says he went, he went down to Joppa. God let him go. He went <clears throat> down and found a ship. Then he went down into the ship. And God just let him go. Then God sent a storm. And may I say this to you? I have nothing to prove this with. But have you ever thought about what if Jonah was in that ship and he hears a storm raging and he knows that he is the one that's putting everybody at risk and he bows before God and he goes, God, I know you're doing this for me to protect everybody else, to protect me. Lord, I, I, I repent and I will turn my face and go to Nineveh. In my glorified imagination, God could have said like Jesus said, peace be still. God gave Jonah every opportunity to repent. And yet because of his stubborn pride, because, because of his hard-headedness, he wound up in deep water in the belly of a fish. And that was the place that God had to get Jonah so Jonah would be broken and come to him. Even in the belly of the fish, it took three days. How hard-headed can you be? I have a question. Has God ever taken you so far down that you had, you felt like trouble waters raising around your neck? You felt like the seaweed of life was swirling around you? You know, God may not have you swallowed by a fish, but he can put us in a bed. He can put us in a hospital. He can put us in physical therapy for life. He can put us in the morgue if we won't listen. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of God is only the beginning of wisdom. So make no mistake. He can and he will work on his children until they become obedient. To his word. He was in the belly of fish, but when I read this, I kind of think he felt like he was in the belly of the earth. He felt like he was in hell itself. That's the place. God will take you to that place if you don't listen. The third thing you got it thus far. The principle of brokenness, the place of brokenness, the pain of brokenness. You cannot read chapter 2 of Jonah without getting a picture of pain. He begins in verse 2, he says, I called to the Lord in my distress, my affliction, my struggle, my, my great trouble. And then he paints a picture of what it's like inside the prison the dungeon of a fish's belly. I've already said it. When God decides to get your attention, get my attention, and we refuse to respond, He is capable of turning up the heat until we listen because God will use 
pain. He will use trials. He will use struggles to produce brokenness in us. And that brokenness is that we can't depend on ourselves. We have to depend on Him. When He says in verse 2, I cried out for help in the belly of Shoal, I literally think He's saying, I'm not just down in I'm not just down in the fish. I'm in hell itself. I'm I'm like the walking dead. You see, God can use anything. To Job, He used Satan to get His attention. In David's life, it was sin. In Peter's life, it was a spoken word. In Saul of Tarsus' life, it was a slap off the horse. Moses heard silence. Jacob lived in solitude. Jonah is the poster boy for suffering. When God gets on your trail, when God gets on our trail and He really wants us to follow Him, He will use whatever asset He has available, which is, by the way, everything under the sun and above the sun. Think about your life right now. We had this thing last weekend and nothing went like we wanted it to and I won't articulate it because you don't air your family's baggage would be inappropriate. You don't like your preacher saying this, but it's none of your business. But nothing went right. Pain. I dare say that our family is not the only one that has pain. I dare say that most of us in this place are carrying some kind of pain. And whatever pain you're playing, whatever kind of pain you are carrying, it may well be a gift from God trying to work brokenness in you. If it is, He's trying to rid you of a prideful attitude. He's trying to rid you of disobedient actions. And He's trying to make you into something that He wants you to be. And what you may not know is somebody else's life may depend on it. Before we had the gift of medicine and all these drugs... Don's having a procedure. People are having surgery. They give us these drugs to either knock us out or make us where we don't care. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Before we had those drugs, the patient facing surgery or some kind of procedure would be given alcohol to drink or a bag or a, a, a rag or a, or a bullet to bite. But here's what they were facing when you had a broken bone. And they had to set that bone. The deal was it was either a little pain now or a lifetime of limping. Can you see how that works in brokenness? God breaks us like the master takes the clay so that He can mold us and make us into what He wants us to be. And the pain of today makes life better for tomorrow. And that brings us to the last thought, the purpose of 
brokenness. In verses 2 through 6, Jonah saw himself in the belly of the fish, in the belly of hell, with, when, like the walking dead with no way out. In verse 7, it's a change. He says, as my life was fading away. One translation says, and when he breathed his last, you know, he felt like there was no exit. He felt like he was dying. He may have felt like the children of Israel coming to the Red Sea. He had come to the moment where he knew that he could do nothing to help himself. And it was in that moment that he remembered the Lord. Folks, I want to say this to us. And possibly as long as we're as affluent as we are, got as much Money as we got, we may not ever come to the end of ourselves. But it says, verse 7, as my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. I want to suggest to you there was more than just a simple remembrance. One paraphrase says, I turned my thoughts toward the Lord. I kept my memory of the Lord But the word seems to indicate in the Hebrew that he burned incense toward the Lord. That he sought the Lord. And it was in this remembrance that Jonah fell back on the memory of God's love and his grace and his mercy. There's a song, I don't even know that we've sung it since I've been here. A song best expressed this. I didn't write it, I wish I had of. My only hope is you, Jesus. My only hope is you. From early in the morning till late at night. My only hope is you. That's brokenness. When we realize that if God doesn't show up, we're ruined. Just sing that with me. My only hope is you, Jesus. My only hope is you. From early in the morning till late at night, my only hope is you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that your only hope is in Jesus? If we believe that individually and collectively, do we live like it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do have, that you do have your hand on the thermostat. I pray that if you're working brokenness in us, I pray that you will help us deal with our pride. I pray that you will shatter our arrogance. And I pray that you will bring us to give you our full attention. 
I pray that we won't run. We won't hide. We won't grow angry or bitter. We won't give up or give in to our human side. But we will give in to you. Make us what you want us to be. In your name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.